Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we're coming to you for the now bi-monthly podcast. No? Not bi-monthly? Yeah. Yeah, it kinda it kinda it kinda was. We missed a week. That's very rare for us. January was kind of the same way. February's turned out kind of the same way. I mean, that's not that's not our normal MO. No, but I was gone in January a couple weeks and then well, this week, you know, this week was crazy. I don't even remember what happened last Friday, but you were like, I can't do it. So we rescheduled for Monday. I almost said, why didn't we do it on Sunday? And then that was the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I I think I had some kind of team meeting, uh, you know, on this team that I'm on. Um, I, I think it was something like that. And then I, I didn't tell you because I had been in Vegas Assessing church planners all week. Oh, is that you what know. you call it now when you go to Vegas? <laughs> that is what it is when I go to Vegas. I Mama went to Vegas. Me, that's a spicy meatball. I went to Vegas one time, and I'm pretty sure I told you this story. I was on my way. I was like 19, 20 years old. I was on my way to Zion National Park with my best friend, my future wife, and my niece. And we all piled up. We were at Bible study one night, and we're like, hey, let's go to Utah. Like now. Why? Just because like, I, I... I can honestly say that was probably the only time in all of human history that someone has said the phrase, let's go to Utah. <laughs> you know what would be cool? <laughs> Going to Utah like right now. So we literally... The, what, my best friend goes, oh, I, I better tell my parents. So he, 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 he tells his parents. He goes and gets some stuff. We hop in a van. And uh, we went to Zion National Park because I was on an airplane, Salt National Geographic. 
I was like, I need to go there. That place looks awesome. So I was just, we were talking about it. And, you know, when you're 19, that's the stuff we used to do anyways. You know, we'd just be like, let's go right now. So we piled in the van. We went. We drove overnight. We got a campsite, camped out for the week. But on the way, we we stopped off in Vegas. And I went through the drive through wedding chapel. I was in the backseat. My best friend pretended he was marrying my niece, who I think at the time was like 13, 14. Oh, no. And she was pretending she was crying as she was going through the drive through My parents, they're mad at me. Are you sure? And we're making sure they hear all this at the drive through window. And uh, <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And, and we're in a van. So me and Andrew are in the back trying not to laugh out loud. And uh, they were they were like totally. They're like, yeah, just give us your money. And uh, and <laughs> then you, he started. Did you pay for of, it? No, no. He they they started like this fake little argument up there, and uh, it was pretty funny. And then he goes, "We can't do it right now." He goes and he drives through without paying. But it was a whole thing. She was crying. She was totally convincing. And uh, anyways, so what happened was. Um, we ended up uh, going to Vegas, and I had to pee. And when you're going through downtown Vegas, there's like, I don't know, wherever we were, man. I think it was near the Strip. There's like no gas stations. You cannot pull over and pee anywhere. And uh, so I get out of the. I, I go, hey, just go down that back alley. And I'll hop out of the van, and I'll go pee. So they pull over on the side. They're like, we're not going down the back alley. No way, man. This is Vegas. We're not going down some back alley. So I go, well, I'll go, you know, you park here. So they park out on the street and I run down this back alley and I start peeing and I have to pee like for the Olympics, man. I could have won a gold medal in peeing, right? I could have peed for my country. Did, did you see that commercial in the Super Bowl with the, the mom walks in the bathroom and the two boys and she's like, no. what's that tape for? They're putting tape down right in front of the uh, <laughs> toilet. They're like, it's a distance contest. And then the one brother goes. I already did it from there. And then they like do a high five to each other. It's like such a great commercial. Oh, dude, I miss that. You know what? I, I Because my kids were there, right? I had to keep chasing kids. But I did not miss Puppy Monkey Baby. That was the best. I didn't see it and because I don't usually watch the Super Bowl. But then I ended up seeing that later. And I was like, this is just like, who, who, who thought of this? I learned how to send gifts just so I could send Puppy Monkey Baby to people. I don't know. Pretty freaky. Yeah. Yeah. And it was freaky. And they played that weird, like, locust sound effect just to make it even more creepy in the background. When he's what was around. the commercial for? It was for uh, Mountain Dew. Oh, that's right. Which yeah, you was said the that. three in one juice, Mountain Dew, and antioxidants. So, anyways, back to my Vegas story. So I'm peeing up against the wall. And, you know, that's a really vulnerable position. And I've had to pee for like an hour. Right. I only have a small bladder. Look at me. Right. And uh, this total low rider car, like this big caddy low rider. I mean, the thing's got like hood ornaments on it. The whole thing comes bumping down the, you know, boom, 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 boom. And I'm thinking, oh, crap, I'm in trouble, man. This is like I'm caught in the middle of gang turf or something. And the car stops and the headlights are on me, dude. And I'm peeing up against a wall. <laughs> <laughs> this thing stops. This guy walks out. He's a freaky looking dude, man. All dressed in black, you know, Hispanic guy. He comes up, but he he just, he's a total gangbanger. He was walking up to me and I'm thinking, I'm dead. 
And I'm just doing my kind of last rites, like, Jesus, I'll see you in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Won't have to pee when I'm where you are. You know, all these thoughts are going through my head. Life is flashing before my eyes. I'm thinking, will they find me? Will they ever come in the alley to find my corpse? And uh, the guy stands right next to me and starts peeing. (laughs) (laughs) And as he's peeing, I remember this is a scary looking dude. You can't make this stuff up, right? He looks at me and goes, I'm in love. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm really praying to Jesus. And, uh, and then he starts telling me about some girl he met in some club. And I just said, well, that's cool, man. (laughs) Good luck with that. I probably would have just uh, said, I thought you were going to kill me. I'm really happy now. I think I did say something like, you know, when you first walked up, I was a little scared. And, you know, I think I did say something funny. But anyways, I I took off. So that was my Vegas experience. And other than that, I think I pulled a one-armed bandit or two, and that was it. And then, uh, boom, back in the car. So literally, I have not really properly seen Vegas. Was that the only other time you'd been to Vegas? It was. You've been to, like, more countries than I've been to by far. And that's the only other time you've been to Vegas? <laughs> like pretty much. Look at where we live. I know. You know what? And I didn't I was on the phone with uh Josh Boyd from Fight Church this week. And I I forgot. Like, hey, Boyd's here. I I should call him. Joshy. And I didn't. I don't even know what to say to that. Check, yeah. please. So uh hey, we got a review. A podcast review. Spicy meatball? It's a spicy meatball. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. That was the title of it, right? That was the title of it. It's a spicy meatball. Great title. By Thaddeus Williams. You got to love the name Thaddeus. Thaddeus Williams. Isn't Thaddeus the name? It's one of the disciples, right? Um, I don't know. I'm the sinner. I'm pretty sure that was one of the names of the disciples. And if I'm not mistaken, um, let's see. I believe the name Thaddeus. Oh, no. Okay. I'm wrong. There was one which means hangs at the breast. And I'm trying to remember which one that was Thaddeus. But this one says, in other words, uh, milk baby. Um, what was, I thought that was Thaddeus, but, uh, maybe that's the Hebrew meaning. Um, in, in the male, it means a heart or courageous heart. So that's much better than milk baby. Much better. Yeah. Here was the review. If you give this podcast anything less than a five-star review, Hugh Halter and Michael Frost will come to your house and lay the smack down you on you in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Peyton, the church planning Ninja Jones, cha-ching. We'll drop some primo church planning knowledge on you while Pete, make money Mitchell, teaches you how to make the deals that pay the bills. This dynamic duo will make you laugh, make you think, and awaken the force that is within you. If you can't handle the smack talk, you can head on over to the Hardcore Church Planning Podcast. But if you can't handle the smack talk, then you're probably not hardcore enough for that either. These guys have a huge heart for church planners, and they got the chops from years of experience. So if you're planning a church or think God might be calling you to plant a church, give it a listen. I guarantee you'll be blessed. Thaddeus Williams. 
I dig it, man. And I like that church planners are kind of getting this, that if you don't, if you don't like the smack talk, you know, it's, it's not something wrong with us. It's something wrong with you. <laughs> yes. I like that. We're, we're influencing people. To, Look in to the action. mirror. Look in the mirror. <laughs> so what we'd like to say again to Thaddeus, and this is a, an offer that we make to everyone on the church planner podcast, leave us a review for either the magazine or the podcast. Send it to us like, uh, well, we got this one here from Thaddeus. If you leave it on the podcast, we automatically get notified. But what you can do is if you go to the Church Planner Magazine app in your Android or your Apple device, when you open it up, there's a little gear icon in the bottom right corner. You click that gear icon, and then there's a little button there that says contact us. You hit that. It'll send us an email with what's called your device token. And we're going to give you some free swag directly into your app. For instance, uh, Peyton's taking no man's land. What do we charge for that? Like nine, ten bucks, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And then uh, the uh, the postcard report: how to send out a hundred fifty-two thousand promotional church postcards, which is like twenty bucks. Because you know, I figure it's such a good thing. Why not charge a premium price for it? But uh, we'll give those to you for free just for leaving us a review because that's the kind of guys we are. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. I dig it. I like it. So you got a cold, man. You got sexy voice going again. I still, you know, it's been like our house has been a Petri dish. It really has. Yeah. Except this this kind of cold you have isn't really chesty. It's more nasally. So it's not so sexy. It's kind of like, yeah. So uh, anyways, this is, uh, it's not like right on. Like Barry I White. had it earlier this week. You earlier did? Earlier this week, yeah. I was like, swing low. Yeah. That's that's when you got to look at the wife and go, hey, baby. You got you to gotta put that to work. I tried a lot of time and she just kind of looks at me and she goes, what? Like she... she <laughs> <laughs> what you're sick you're gross she's what what why are you talking to me what <laughs> go so, away um, so you know dude i got i got all kinds of stuff going on in in my life in my life this is one that i'm it's not a good thing it's just it is what it is so i thought i'd share it with you because it actually just happened like when you, you and called, i haven't talked for almost two weeks which is really rare it, it's it? been actually a really nice two weeks <laughs> <laughs> It probably has. You've probably gotten a lot done. <laughs> well, you know, right. You, you called me right before we got on the, the podcast and, uh, and I was finishing off the email to a client and uh, terminating them as a client. Oh, I was, oh. Uh, I was oh. cutting them off, you know, because there, there just comes a time when you gotta, you gotta say Nick say on the client, you know, and be mm. like, dude, we're out. Yeah. And, um, and it's it's always for me it's it's one of those things like he had a two year agreement right he signed a two year contract with me and part of that contract part of the compensation is my monthly retainer for him because it's different for di- different clients depends on how much work I'm going to do most of the time there's a monthly retainer and a percentage of profits and for his it was just a monthly retainer. And so he was paying me $3,500 a month. Wow. For me to be me, for me to, for me to smile. Without doing a, a single bit of work. That was Just part of my problem. I, I wasn't doing anything for him, not because of me, but because of him. He's had yeah. so many things change in his life over the last six months that 
I was like, you know what? I'm uncomfortable with this. I I like seeing my stuff used. I like seeing people make significantly more money than what they pay me. And uh, when you're not using my stuff, I, I'm kind of like, why why are you paying me? So contractually, I can hold them to it. I mean, contractually, I could have taken them to court and been like, dude, you know, here's the deal. You got to pay this. And uh, if if he balked at it, and he didn't. He never did. And uh, so I finally just said, hey, look, dude, do we need to reevaluate this agreement? And he's like, yeah, I think we do need to put it on pause. You know, so many things changing in my life right now. He just had a kid and he just changed companies and all this other stuff. And I'm like, all right, here's the deal, man. You're going to pay me. You're going to pay me my February retainer. And I'm going to give you a buyout agreement for a buck. So you're going to pay me a dollar. and I'm going to let you out of your agreement. You just made me want to go to the dark side. Just, just you know, when when you can just cut contracts like that, where you're like, hey, and you have the freedom to do that. I now want to become your apprentice, learn all your secrets, and one day rise up and kill you and become the master. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I feel like you're killing me softly all the time anyway. <laughs> Except I don't learn a thing from you. He never listens to I me. I actually thought about that. I was I was literally <laughs> praying last night. As I, I often do uh, in bed right before I fall asleep. I don't know. Maybe it's so I, I'm, I'm not talking to myself. I'll just be like, hey, God. And so you came up and I was like, God, you know, should I still be working with Peyton? Because it's not like he does anything. I mean, I mean, come on. Maybe I should maybe I should free him. Yeah. Cut me loose from this, man. Just get, <laughs> cut me loose. Maybe I should just say to him, pay me a dollar and our friendship is over. <laughs> I'm going to let you out of the friendship. One dollar. That's awesome. See what happens if I don't maintenance the friendship. You, you start having these thoughts. You get all crazy on me. <laughs> yeah. So no, I'm, I'm, you know, so he's out, but it's funny because I got another guy who wants in. <laughs> that was part of my reasoning too. I was like, Oh, there you go. You know what? I think this other guy, I might, I'm debating what I'm going to tell this other guy in my proposal to him. But, um, I might just tell him, I might just tell him a hundred grand. I'll work with him for a hundred grand and percentage of profits. So monthly retainer of eight grand. You know that you just made every church planner out there drop a load. You know that, well, right? You know, They've got to go change their I, underwear. I've now. said on this stinking podcast, how many times become a consultant. It's like the greatest rig in the world. And it's on you. If you don't, by this point, if you haven't done it, come on, it's on you. Yeah, but don't become a consultant to church planners because they don't have money. No, see, that's the whole problem is people are like, and I think about this a lot because there's a lot of guys right now selling to church planners. And that was part of actually, that, that was part of my my conversation with God. I'm like, look, okay, God, we got jump school, which by the way, we need to give everyone an update on jump school. Yeah. And um, we got, you know, the magazine, we got the podcast, We've got other guys who uh, put on conferences and things, reaching out to us and saying, hey, we want to work with you guys. And part of me is like, you know what, dude, I I don't want to be like charging church planners all this money for like sharing the gospel. I don't know. I just feel awkward yeah. about it. Like, I, yeah. I believe that the worker is worthy of his wage, right? Yeah. And I believe yeah. that people need to be compensated fairly. But at the same time, there is just so many people making money in Jesus' name, and it bothers me, man. Same here. It same bothers here, me. man. 
So, and I'm not saying that I got the right way to do it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I don't want to be the guy who's like, well, it's kind money of a thing right now. It's kind of a thing, Pete, where right now the, the marketers, it's kind of, you know, right now everybody's marketing how to run your own course. And that's kind of yeah. really hit There's the church. There's a lot of those side. right now. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And, and so there was actually an article in Christianity today that, that I can't remember the name of it. It was on the cover. Um, and it, it was basically saying something like the new brand evangelists. I think that's what it was. And so everybody's trying to help you blow your stuff up. And so in the church planning sector right now, there's, there, there might be a, uh, a paid membership to blow your church up or to use social media or to, and it's all aimed at church planners or how to this and that. And so everybody's got their membership site. I think you and I were a little bit ahead of the curve in this, but we did it, I think, because we looked at the training and we're like, there's not really good training. And in the beginning, I was like, I want to give it all away for free. That's what I've always done. And you were like, and and I remember you saying this. You said if they don't pay, they won't pay attention. Well, and it's true. And, and that's that's true. why I say there there is like this mix between people need to pay for training, and at the same time, there's so many people just selling just all kinds of crap. You can tell. You can tell where the this is. This is what I got to say. There are guys I trust. So I'm part of Mac Lake's team. I trust him. There are other church plants. So I believe it's worth every penny what you, what you spend with Mac. And I'm not saying that because I'm on his team. I just, I never, I never saw his stuff and it was good. Um, but with Jump School, when we started Jump School, I hadn't seen Mac's stuff, but I had seen all the other stuff out there. And I could honestly look out there and you and I both, we joined some of this stuff and we were like, you know what? I'm not happy with this. And you can tell the difference when a guy's saying, I'm just really wanting to make, I see church planners as a market versus someone who comes in and says, I see church planners as servants of God and I want to serve them. And yes, I will charge them so that they pay attention. Because I remember in jump school, when we gave away, it was kind of like a control study. We gave away tons of memberships to people and we noticed that the people we gave it to didn't track with it the people who yeah they we, wouldn't go through it they wouldn't yeah go the through people it. who paid we could track when they're on there and we should in. we should mention it's not like we gave out a lot of free ones we <laughs> gave them out to people basically that you were on scholarships yeah well they were they were on your um core team and uh and stuff like that or they were in new breed so it wasn't yeah. like all new breed got it that's yeah I don't want the guys who paid going, why didn't I get one of the free ones? But the guys no, who no. got it, man, they didn't go through it because we could track it. And we're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. The guys who and got it for so, free, I should say. Yeah. So that that actually changed me. That literally changed me to going, okay, I'm cool. You know, because I, I now have seen what people have said. But I do think there's a difference. We started this up to train guys. This is just what I've done for eight years. And I always did it for free. Um, versus someone who's just seen church planners as a market and goes, I like to make some money. And uh, church planners seem desperate. Let's make money off them. There's a total difference. Yeah. And you can tell. You can tell when you look at the content. A lot of guys are making content that's just not valuable for church planning. 
You think? I think so. Yeah, and I mean, you showed me some actually in the last couple of weeks. But so, but at the same time, it's like I, I don't want to be that guy. So, I mean, that is one of my my dilemmas with in my conversations with God is, you know, how, how do we do this the right way? Do you want me involved in this? Do I need to like bow out of this? Cause that's who I am. Like I'm the guy and there are certain industries. I don't mind charging them a lot of money. Like um, I've got a course right now. It's a, it's a six week course. It's not anything major, but I charge real estate agents a thousand bucks to go through it. And it's uh, basically two calls a week. In fact, after we're done with our our podcast today, I got to get on there and um, and handle that that call for them. And and you know, I get a, a lot of guys that go through there. And and one of the things that I'm doing is I'm actually transferring that to other business industries because in real estate, I'm at the high level mark, charging them a thousand bucks, but I can go to almost any other industry and I can get two grand for the same program. No problem. And so I'd rather get two grand than just a thousand dollars. Like there's, there's a thing out there called price elasticity. That's what people got to realize. And, and this is one of the, the hard things for you over the years. Cause you're like, well, don't you think 10 bucks is too much? And I'm like, 10 bucks. What are you crazy? <laughs> We're charging a hundred. You're out of your mind. You know, $10. And so I don't mind doing that in business industries because I know it's going to help them. Mm. And I know that the more they pay, the more they pay attention. Um, in fact, you could literally, I could literally take the same cor- same course. And if I charge 10 grand for it, I'm all it's going to do is make me more money and get more serious people. Cause the more people pay, the more they pay attention. And then they actually take it and go do something with it. In fact, this guy who who I'm going to do that proposal to, I mean, he and I were talking and he's got this program and he sells it for 7500 up front and 500 a month with I think a 1 year commitment or something like that. He's like, "Yeah, and then someone was talking to me and they they talked me into lowering it, so I lowered it to 450 up front and 199 a month." So I mean, dramatic switch, right? And I'm like, "Well, tell me about the quality of people." And he's like, "Well, they don't do anything." And I'm like, so all you did was lower your profit margin and got worse people in your program. Mm. Wow. So, you know, part of me is like, I I don't, but I don't want to feel that way when it comes to the gospel. Like, I don't, I don't believe that guys need to pay a lot to have the passion when it comes to the gospel, because the whole mindset of someone going into ministry is not the same as someone going into business. You're going That's into true. business, you're going in to make money. You're going into That's ministry, right. it should be at least, you know, to bring the loss to Christ. You know what's been interesting is that through our partnership together, you've come more closer to where I started out, and I've come closer to where you've started out. In other words, somewhere we've met in the middle yeah. where we have influenced each other. Because when we started, I'm like, okay, but... You know, I, I need to have the freedom to give it free to anyone who needs it but can't afford it. And um, and you're like, okay, all right. But, you know, also realize that that, you know, and, and, and so I've changed in the sense where I now see what you were saying. The caution you were giving came came out to be 100 percent true. And you're coming you're coming at it from a way where you've now worked with these church planners 
you know what their heart is. They're already, and this, this is kind of how it was for me. They're already bleeding out for these churches. They're already investing and sacrificing and taking huge pay cuts to do this for the Lord. And so it, it is, man, it's, it's really cool how we've, we've, we've definitely rubbed off on each other. Well, and I mean, the thing too, is like, I was reading an article this week and I don't know if it's a true situation because, you know, in our country you're innocent until proven guilty, but, uh, there, there's a, a nonprofit that has been brought up on charges that they're not giving out their money that they're raising, uh, for the poor and, basically neglected parts of the world. As an example, in 2014, they raised according to the, according to the, uh, the accusation that they're, they're now, I believe it's, I I, I don't know if it's civil or criminal that they're, they're in court right now, but uh, they raised 115 million and they only gave out like 14 million. Whoa. Which to me seems, I think, I think that's a little bit off. (laughs) You know, yeah, like if 10%. it's true, if it's true, then there's some issues. Now, the problem is that it does take money to raise money because you do have to advertise. So it's not like it's ever going to be 100 percent. You do have to have staff. You need to get paid. So, I mean, if you're doing a nonprofit where you're trying to help, you know, the poor in wherever pick a country, then it's never going to be 100 percent because there is going to be overhead. Right. But. Yeah, I mean, if you run in 115 and only 14 went out, I would say you got a problem with how you're running your business. Yeah. Because there's no way it costs you that much. to, And if it does, then no offense, your your charity is worthless. Yeah. And I, I but I, you understand, like, when it comes to religious things, uh, you know, things for, for God, I, I just, I feel very awkward about it. You know, I know people need to pay, but yet at the same time, I don't want to be the guy that's like, yeah, you know, I made a million dollars this year off of church planners. No, no kidding. Right. You know, that just doesn't seem right either. No, it doesn't. But I'm going to find out because this year I'm going to make a million dollars off church planners. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Disclaimer. And, uh, and how I'm going to do that actually is, um. I actually accept money online and via text-based giving platform called mogive.com forward slash church forward slash Pete Mitchell's campaign. If you at your church would like to be able to accept payments from your parishioners online or via text, Peyton, where should they go? Well, let me start by saying that was a bad segue, Pete. Just a bad, bad, bad Pete. Bad, bad Pete. Bad Pete segue. Was that too um, bad? It was, we, it, was, we, it was really creepy. Should we pray that Kent doesn't hear that that uh, that commercial? So, so mogive.com, <clears throat> very important. Um, I, I have to say, um, some of you guys uh, joined this week. I got a text from, from Kent saying thank you. And uh, I have to say, they just revamped their website. Holy cow, is it the best? Did they? Yeah, you go in there and you're straight into a dashboard. It's got like a flow chart. It's uh, it's pretty cool right now. So I have to say, not only do they have the best customer service on the planet, whenever you need have any question, you'll get a response almost immediately from Mogiv. I don't know how they do it, but they are always on the ball. They have awesome customer service. 
It's an online giving system. We saw our giving for our church just skyrocket. I mean, easily. Um, I, I would say, Pete, it close to doubled um, what, what happened with our church. Not only really? that, <clears throat> not only that, um, their, their website now is just, it's the best. I've seen a lot of giving websites, bank websites. It's just awesome for you. You can track by day. You can do a, a, a graph. It'll tell you the exact amount. I, I'm not good at describing digital or, or, um, online stuff, but yeah, man, I had a little online party when I saw that and I could track what came into new breed. I was just blown away. Like that is awesome. Wow. That's cool. It is cool. Huh? Are you on it right now? No, I'm not. Oh, yeah. It's cool, man. I was just seeing how much money I made from, uh, no, I'm just kidding. From church planners. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> We're not making any money from church planners right now. Just so you no, know. No, no, that's not true. We do have uh, Jump School. I mean, it, we do charge church planners. I guess profit. We should say we're not making any profit. We don't make profit because we just pour it right back in to yeah. what we're already doing. We pour it back into the magazine, pour it back in. So, And we should I, give everyone this, an update on Jump School, the, the film, Jump School, the videos. Do you want to tell everyone what's going on with that? Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, let's see. The uh, the movies are 100% done. They are beautiful. And uh, we are just putting together everything. We've got our study guide almost ready. we got a bonus episode that you get when you buy the study guide. And uh, it's going to be cool, man. And, and the rest of them are free. What do you mean? Well, the first six episodes are free. We're not going to give them the seventh one? Yeah, we give them the seventh one when they. That oh, comes that's right. That's right. Yeah, we, yeah. So it's a bonus episode. It actually is a bonus. It wasn't inclu- included in the original series, um, but it was filmed to be part of the original series. But I'll tell you this: when everyone sees it, they're going to be like, "How did you guys pull this off for five grand or whatever it was we raised on the Kickstarter?" And we'll just tell you because that actually wasn't all of it. That was the last bit of money that we needed yeah. to get those videos done. And, um, and it's really, I mean, you can tell that dude's got skills. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he definitely, I mean, he's, he's moving on to Hollywood now. So, I mean, there's no way we could touch that dude. It's got CGI. It's got like all these world war two scenes that he had those guys act out. And, uh, it's like Francis Chan's basic series meets band of brothers. So you've got like monologue. Uh, kind of overlapping with some dramatization, but it's kind of artsy. But it's a it's a World War II para-jumper. You know, you follow this unit all the way through. What I thought was cool, like really cool, was how you um, you let me be in a, a cameo and, uh, and let me get into the, the video. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, I, I, I needed someone to play Hitler. And, uh, you know, you, you had no one knew that Hitler was a redhead with a goatee. (laughs) Everyone thinks he had that nice little mustache that no one can ever wear anymore because of Hitler. Yeah. But that's not really the case. No, you, you were, uh, you, we actually in the credits, you are deemed as fire Lord Hitler. Fire Lord Hitler. Yeah, and there's this one point at which all these flames engulf Pete when he gets really angry, and he shoots fire out of his hand. But then one of the GIs creates this ice shield, and it deflects off. It's really neat. 
Yeah, a lot of really cool CGI. Spider-Man, Wolverine's in it. I yeah, mean, really and one of the guys awesome. has stretchy limbs, like Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So if you guys contributed to the Kickstarter, you're going to be getting an email if you haven't already from Kickstarter saying, you know, give us your address because we're going to mail you out your stuff. Um, we're putting the finishing touches on the study guide. The DVD, did you receive the DVD in the mail yet from the Not UK? Not yet. I'm awaiting. Yeah, that stuff takes forever when it goes overseas. And um, and so anyway, uh, we'll be mailing out the DVDs and, and all that stuff. So we're, we're really close, Can you close, hear my guys. kids in the background? No. Okay. They're outside my door fighting. <laughs> Both your kids are fighting? Yeah, they're fighting. See, I think it's crazy that your youngest is now talking. It is, man. Because I've it never is. seen her talk. Oh, she talks. I know. She, I mean, it's but like every time that every time we'd seen her, that thing is every time we'd seen her or, or gone to Legoland together or anything like that, she wasn't talking yet. Yeah, not till after she had her surgery, and uh, yeah, she uh, she's she's talking like crazy, man. Can shut her up. Yeah. Nice, nice. I dig it, man. Well, cool. Should we get to this week's topic? Because it's it's been, uh, you know, I I told you I didn't know if I was going to be able to do the podcast today because I said I was going to do it, but I was in bad shape. So we actually, uh, (laughs) probably the reason we're just doing tons of smack talk is I am so depleted and out of energy. I I had a, a Mack truck hit my life this week when my wife for the third time since September got diagnosed with cancer. Um, this time a very malignant form in her legs and, uh, it, uh, they had to do the whole, um, I guess it's called the Mohs surgery where they, um, cut what they can see and they biopsy the tissue as they go, um, right there. And then they keep biopsying. And then eventually when they can't see anymore, they take more surrounding tissue and then, uh, they, you wait. And then if it's, uh, comes back positive. They go back in and keep cutting. So we're not through uh, out of the woods just yet, but uh, it's it's been a lot, man. And on top of that, I I had so much uh, scheduled for this week. Like I was due to film some stuff on Tuesday that that had to go out the window because my wife couldn't walk. Uh, she got stitches up and down her legs. So um, it's crazy, man. It's been, do they, been do they crazy. put like silly putty in the leg to kind of like you know? Because they cut out so much. I mean, what do they do? Like some, some. They just sew it up, and that's we're waiting to see. Some plaster. I mean, they may not be done. It goes into the into the muscle tissue, and you know, it's it's this kind. They were worried it was going to hit her bone. So when we got the biopsy that that's morning, the they're like, part, "We got to cut today." Yeah, like we got to get in. Like there was no like, "Hey, can we?" It was literally, and this is where my adrenaline spiked, and this is what what worked me because as soon as you know, I, I tend to not panic about stuff, but you can't help it when you're drunk. I'm like, I'm just like, I went into that mode, you know, immediately of, okay, we don't want to lose you. Um, let's get in there. Boom. But yeah. when, when, when the doctor says, Hey, when, when the doctor says, Hey, we need to get in today, uh, and cut that out, you know, it's a, that's what happened. And so, I'm getting old, man. I'm 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 not the spring chicken I used to be, and so that stuff. I mean, it, it takes its toll on me. Yeah, that that's it's it's pretty understandable. I mean, 
I'll let it slide this time, but let's let's not let's not let it happen again. Tell your wife to quit getting cancer. We'd appreciate it. And uh Yeah. That tell I her mean, the podcast can't take her getting cancer. No kidding, right? No kidding. I don't think this old man can take much more of it, but uh but she's doing good. She she's walking with Jesus tight. I love my wife. I respect the crud out of her. She's a tough cookie, you know. She uh she she's probably doing better than me. You know, but, uh, but she's, I don't know. I just respect my wife. Do they knock them out for that kind of a surgery or is it just all local? No, they, uh, they localized it and, uh, yeah, she was, she was awake for the whole thing. Took four hours. Yeah. So obviously guys, as you're hearing that, we'd appreciate it if you keep Andrea in your prayers. Cause, uh, you know, Peyton and I joke all the time inappropriately. In fact, uh, the more inappropriate, the better. So yeah, this it's how we do, your, it's how I deal with stuff. Man. If it's this always, is one of your first podcasts with us, I can just see, you know, Barry going, okay, awkward. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's how, you know, it's funny as my wife is like that too. Like she jokes about stuff. She, you know, the, there's some sarcastic humor that floats around and I think it just helps us blow the steam. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, so anywho, uh, what is today's topic? So today's topic was supposed to be, and I don't, I don't know how much time we got. I don't know if it's going to get there. We got about 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably the record for the longest smack talk ever. But, uh, being that when, when we first started, my head was in my hands and I was just trying to even talk Yeah, and I wasn't talking. You had to cheer me up by joking with me a bunch. And then you kind of brought me out of it because I was in a funk. I did get you laughing before the podcast started and I can't share that story on the podcast. (laughs) Yes, that was the tonic, but, uh, but our, our topic today was, uh, or is, I should say, um, (laughs) it's, uh, how to get to know the word. So I get guys who are church planning and they sometimes say things like, you know what? I, I, I know I need to preach, but um, we've done tons on preaching, but that that's not really what I want to talk about. You know, a big part of your preaching is done for you when you really know the scripture. And I mean, when you understand it as a whole and you can, you can kind of stand back from the Bible and say, I get it. I get what the overarching message is. Um, I, I get how it's broken down. I get what God was uh, saying in a bird's eye view. And I, I think I understand the books in detail. Um, maybe not every single verse or every word, but I really understand the narrative of the Bible. I understand the theme of the Bible. Um, and so what, what we want to talk about today was for the guy who's like, look, I'm going to have to preach every week. Um, and I don't know the Bible as well as I should, you know, referring back to fist leadership, often the guys who say this are the more prophetic guys. Sometimes the evangelists, um, but I would say more of the prophetic guys, the guys that are used to walking more in the supernatural. Um, you know, uh, maybe they, they, they're more open to the gifts of the spirit. It's why the Pentecostal charismatic circles can tend to neglect this because prophetic leaders sometimes struggle. And I'm not saying always before anyone out there jumps on me. I've been jumped on for this before. I am speaking in a stereotype. Some of the greatest expositors have been men that uh, open are open to the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we tend to find teachers, 
tend to be guys that are grounded in the text and they're a little bit dry. That can be the weakness. And the guys who are very much in the spirit can tend to not be very well versed in the scripture. It's just a stereotype, sure, but it is a very common occurrence. It's just every role has its weaknesses. And it's one of the reasons FIST leadership needs people on the team. Um, when you see these guys come together, I'll, I'll stop covering my butt, but that's, you know, I, I've gotten mail before where people go, hey, man, I'm charismatic Pentecostal. I was really mean what you said about us. It's not mean. It's just every every role in Ephesians 4 has its strength and has its weaknesses. And this tends to be the blind spot um, of guys in, in the more prophetic role. And so, but I'm speaking to everybody because I think even for a teacher, if a guy's a teacher and he's just young and he's in his 20s and he's starting out and he was raised on a solid diet of YouTube and video games, you know, he may not have studied as much as he could. Or maybe in your personal life, you've not been reading the word like you should. And so you're you're just going, where do I start now? I really don't have a good grasp of the Bible, period. Hmm. So uh, what are some of your advices or some of your thoughts? Well, to get you talking a bit, I think what I want to start off with is kind of, you know, how's this journey been for you? Hmm. I'd say, you know, gosh, where do I start on that one? One of the the things that I think has impacted me a lot um, has been some of the people that we've interviewed. Hmm. So I still remember back to when we interviewed Hugh Halter at Exponential West. It was a, a video interview. It was in the magazine. Who knows when? I don't even remember what month it was. But one of the things that he had mentioned is that he had gone through this phase where he was like, I just want to get to know Jesus uh, better. And so he went out and he bought a new Bible and just dedicated to reading the Gospels. And I really liked that idea. And so I'd gone out and and bought a new Bible and uh, just started, you know, really, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, really going through the uh, the New Testament, and um, and then you know, since then, because that was that was probably a couple of years ago, where I just really wanted to like, like almost just read it with fresh eyes, hmm. just really take it in from a. a a different point of view, not, not really a different point of view, just not like encumbered with like all, cause growing up in a Christian home, like you're, you're taught so much of the do's and the don'ts. It's not, I mean, you're totally taught the do's and the don'ts. I, I, I don't want to offend my family. I don't mean this like in a negative way, but it was very pharisaical. You know, it was very much the rules. Now, I think the core was that my family, my dad, my mom, they wanted, uh, you know, my sister and I to um, to have a relationship. But how it translated in upbringing of kids was don't do this, don't do that. And um, like, as I, I still mm. even remembered back then, you know, we we had a rule off and on that we couldn't watch any TV until we'd spent 15 minutes reading the Bible. And I understand the intent behind that, but what did it do to me is it made reading the Bible a chore. 
Right? Yeah, especially like compared to watching the Jetsons or, or the Flintstones, right? Right. You're, so like, you're okay. literally sitting there in front of the TV with a Bible in front of you, going, "Yeah, I'm really reading this." You got to be kidding me, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm like minutes away from watching the TV. But um, so anyway, the, the the only reason why I share that is that's what kind of like really started the path that I'm on now. And then at at some point, I think it was last year. I was like, you know what? I, all I'm going to spend time reading right now is the Gospels. And I just yeah. read and reread and reread the Gospels and didn't even go any further than that into the Bible. And I just really wanted to read those and to absorb them. And so um, so I actually just recently cranked open a new Bible um, that isn't marked up. So, again, I could kind of get that fresh that fresh take on yeah, on what I'm reading and and you know see what really strikes me as I'm reading it this time. I like that, and and you know what I think is really cool that that churches do is they read through the Bible together. Um, you know, like the pastor says, "Hey, for those of you that are going through the Bible for a year, we're in this passage," and he refers to it in a sermon. And I think for you as a leader, that could be great accountability. Now, it's going to really suck if you don't hold to it. Because then you're going to have to tell your people, well, I stopped reading the Bible. And if that's an incentive to get you reading. So I think number one, do, do you what you're bringing up. you happens a lot with pastors? What? They stop reading the Bible? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think a, a very common thing that can happen for a pastor is he only starts reading the Bible to prepare for his sermon. And I remember the guy I trained under, uh, you know, he took me out to eat after, you know, his his fall from from ministry and he he said ask me anything you know ask me anything you want i owe it to you you know as my assistant did. and i was young and i think he felt sorry for me and i just said you know what what happened you know what what like how did you get to that place where you you, you made these decisions and he goes peyton and it and it goes back to something Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said all backsliding begins in the prayer closet. So in your time of devotion, it always starts there. And he said, uh, Peyton, I got to the point where I started reading the Bible as a textbook. And I started, I, I only started reading it for preparation. It stopped becoming a living, breathing thing that was a part of my life. Really? Yeah. Never forgot that. Never, ever forgot that. And I think a a good place if, you know, maybe you're like, oh, the Bible through the year, the CrossFit thing for my church and the Bible, that's a little bit scary for me. What I would recommend is start with a book you're excited to learn about. Now, Leviticus, gotcha. What's that? Leviticus. Well, and, and that's the point is maybe. You're because you know, I tell people Leviticus is my favorite book, and they jump in going, Uh, I think I misheard him, but you know, again, again, I'm on through the word talking about it, cha-ching. But uh, but you know, that that was the book I covered for them because it was my favorite. And but you know, out of all of the Torah, the one that I know the least is numbers. And so when I come around to numbers, I get excited because it's not the one I've mastered. And so I actually think that, you know, and, and right now I'm in Luke for the very thing you said, the very reason you said, I'm in Luke going, you know what? 
I know Matthew and Mark really well because I preach through them and I preach through John. The only one I've not preached through is Luke. So I get excited to read the ones I know the least because I can't wait to master them. Scripture has almost like a lock. And when you find the, the exegetical key to unlocking it and breaking it open, it's just freaking amazing. So like, um, you'll see these patterns as part of exegeting. And I don't want to throw you off and make your gla- eyes glaze over, uh, listeners, cause this is more intro level podcast, but here's the deal. Um, for example, Matthew, uh, Matthew has a, a certain pattern that when you get into it, you know, you realize it's written for Jews and sometimes the commentaries don't even talk about this stuff, but there's a new discipline called biblical theology. When I say it's new, it came, it came about, you know, roughly around the 50s, 60s. So it's new in relative terms. Um, systematic theology goes back hundreds of years. Um, but biblical theology is kind of new. And so there's been a lot of great scholarship approaching the scripture as, um, as literature. And I don't mean that in the same way that you would analyze a document, you, you get these amazing truths because you, when you analyze something as literature, you look at what did the author intend? What was he trying to convey? And we miss that a lot. We're reading the scripture. So for example, in, in Matthew, Matthew, because he's writing to Jews, he parallels Genesis. And the thing that ought to tip us off to that is in the very beginning, he gives the begets. Well, that's where Genesis kind of, you know, Genesis is broken down into 11 parts by genealogies. Matthew starts off, and that would signal any Hebrew uh, is kind of like, wow. And he's going to present him as the Messiah, the one he, he quotes all the prophecies. More prophecies than any other book is in Matthew. Um, he's going to utilize all that. He's going to try to prove that Jesus is the Messiah, but he's writing to Hebrews. And so what he does is in the opening, the way he lays out his narrative, when you look at the opening chapters of a, of a gospel, why did they write him this way? Well, John's writing to Greeks. So he's not going to go into all this prophecy. He's going to write philosophically. He's not going to go into the birth of Jesus. He's going to go into the message. Um, it's very, and then he's going to show these conversations that happen with Jesus. <clears throat> it's a very Greek way to approach it. But Matthew, parallels Genesis. So he has like, or, or the Torah, he, he parallels Israel's history. So when you're reading through Matthew and you see things like, um, the temptation, um, it starts off with that, uh, that has to do with, um, Adam's temptation. Whereas Adam failed, Jesus was successful. The call out of Egypt, he's quoting these scriptures out of Egypt. I called my son. Well, when God quotes that in the prophets, He's saying, out of Egypt, I called my son, but he was disobedient to me. Well, then you see Jesus come out, and he's obedient. He is the perfect son. And so he starts contrasting all of the failures and imperfections of Israel with the perfection of Jesus the Messiah and how he fulfills God's will from the beginning. And so once you start seeing these patterns, it makes it so much more fun to preach. Um, and, and to convey these things of why did Matthew put it together? What's he conveying? Why did he go here? And, uh, you know, just gets you all excited. Huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, the other thing too, that, that had an impact on me was when I had a, uh, you know, a brand new unmarked Bible 
and I was reading it, one of the things that I wanted to do in my quest to really understand Jesus, something that I'm sure pastors have done, they've done it in their schooling, they've done it just because that's the type of person they are, but as a layman hadn't done it, anytime I would read a prophecy, you know, and and the Bible has a little footnote, you know, go back to Isaiah, go back to Psalms, whatever, I would go back there and I would read it and I'd try to really understand what the prophecy was that Jesus was fulfilling. Yeah. And um, and then the other thing that I did as I was going through there is um, I got to be careful how I say this so it doesn't come out wrong. But really looking at the, uh, I'll just say it like this: looking at the gender roles in the New Testament, as opposed to perhaps what I've been taught my whole life. And you really see how women, the roles that they actually fulfilled, being yeah. prophetesses and things like that, things that in today's society, we'd be like, no, women can't do that. Yeah. You know, um, Paul Paul really didn't mean that in, in uh, <laughs> you know, and he, he's talking to that woman over there in, in her house church. What was the gal's name in, in uh, is that Colossians? Not Colossians. Um, and Romans? No, 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 Romans? no, 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 no. Where Paul's all like, and and tell her at her house church, you know, for the good work she's doing or something like that. Yeah, he d- he does it multiple places. Yeah, but I mean, when you read it, you're like, well, w- wait a second here. What do you mean, her house church? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. like, so I'd, I got to be careful how I say that without, I mean, this isn't that podcast. We've had that podcast in the past. But like when you really start reading that, and one of the things too that just really kind of boggled my mind is uh, almost every time in the New Testament where it says brothers, you know, when they're addressing the church, brothers, it's got the little footnote. And what does the Greek word actually mean? Well, brothers and sisters. Yeah. And to me, siblings. Yeah. And it's such a profound difference because. Almost the way that we read it with our American eyes or with our Western eyes is brothers. Yeah. You know, you're going to take this back to your wives and their kids. You know, they're back at the house. Yeah. We don't take it as, you know, we're addressing you, the church. Yeah. Men and women even, are here together. Even the way that we talk to church planners, like I'm, I'm leading a, a group in San Diego and I've made it very plain to them that, look, there's no such thing as a church planner's wife. Your wife is a church planner. So she's church planting with you. You know, we need to, even our language and how we've carried over a lot of this stuff. It's actually a little bit denigrating as if she's not planting the church with you. She is planting. Anyone who's planted a church knows that your wife, kind of like Ginger Rogers um, and Fred Astaire, she's doing everything you're doing except backwards and in high heels. She doesn't get to do the fun stuff in a lot of churches, which is the preaching part that everyone loves, right? But uh you know, and that depends, I, I guess, on your on your leadership model, on your structure, on on how you do. Some churches would say, "Well, we do allow women," like Bill Hybels does. You know, others do, but do they really? Um, yeah, yeah, and and he, you can hear his breakdown for why he says that. You know, he might say, "Well, I I do that because," you know, and and without going into that whole thing, you know, it's obvious though that. Uh, women do have more of a place in the New Testament than probably we give them today. 
So a third of those mentioned in Romans 16 that Paul mentions as fellow workers, deacons, they're women. You know, Priscilla and Aquila taught Apollos the way of it. You know, they were clearly a team ministry. Peter travels with his wife. Um, we hear about Peter, and it's okay that, you know, he's the guy preaching. We don't ever hear of her preaching. But it just depends on, you know, I don't want to go super, super into it, but we have female leadership in our church because we uh, we believe in women pastors that pastor women. I don't pastor women, and I don't want women pastoring men. You know, it leads to all kinds of problems. So we feel, hey, we're not in violation of, of Paul's injunction. That was actually very smart. We hold to that, but we just have women pastoring women and men pastoring well, men. Well, you know what's interesting is uh, what is the name of the gal who's on TV, a televangelist that most evangelical Protestants don't like? Um, oh, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of her name. I can't think of her name either right She's now. from Texas. Probably like she's not big fat, but she's kind of tall. Yeah, she's black hair. Joyce Myers. Joyce Myers. Yeah, that's what it is. Here's the interesting thing. I was watching her on TV several months ago, and when they cut to the scenes of the audience, I'm telling you, Church Planner, you need to look. There's a profound lesson in this. They cut to the scenes of the audience. It's like 95 percent women. Yeah. Like. I don't care what you think about her theology because that's not my point. I don't care at all. That's not my point at all. My point is part of the reason why her ministry is as big as it is is because she's tapping into a segment that guys can't tap into like women can. Like you need women to reach other women. It's kind of like. Yes, men can reach women, but it's not the same. Like you want to have major impacts. People like to to listen and they like to learn from people who are like them. It's just a psychological thing. Yeah. You know, why do we see so many um, black pastors have black churches? Well, because black want to learn from the black and the it's, white going. Well, and I'm not point. saying it's right. I mean, don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying take advantage of of the differences that we've got, the gender differences, the ethnic uh, ethnic differences, because they're going to be able to reach people that you can't reach. Anybody who's different than you can reach another group of people. Well, Acts chapter you. 20, verse 4, Paul has eight guys, and they're broken into teams of two based on their region and where they're from. So Paul had taken their ethnicity and their locality strategically into account when he was looking at, at reaching uh, Macedonia. So I, you know, there's a valid point there. How did we get so far off track? I don't know, though? but I just want to make sure that I don't get the hate mail. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying <laughs> you've got to have a white leader out. of a white church and a black leader of a black. Ch- that's not it. I, and that's not even what I'm saying is the ideal church either. There's not going to be. I think you need an ethnically mixed leadership. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. My point yeah. is just simply that. I think I, I think when you I think start you looking made your, at the, I, I think your point was clear. Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry. I think it came across as it should be. Because, you know, if you want an ethnically diverse congregation, which you really should, if you're in an ethnically diverse area, you have to have an ethnically diverse leadership. You do. You really do. And so And the impact that that's gonna have on the community and who you're gonna be able to attract um by having that. I mean yeah. Well, guys, I wanted to give you a tool. I know we got to sign off here. I want to give you a tool that has 
amazed me. And it's not simplifychurch.com, Pete. But while we're on that subject, what is simplifychurch.com? Let's just put it like this. Our church was sending out their tax receipts. And all I had to do was give Simplify Church an Excel spreadsheet. And they did it all for us. Yes. They did bill us for postage, which was fine. Which you would expect. <laughs> like, yeah. how, how do you not do that? You know? And, well, yeah, exactly. So, you know, just, and it wasn't that much. I mean, it's great for a church plan, you know, but you don't have to do a thing. Think of all those letters you got to mail out. Think of all the, you know, getting everybody's address, blah, 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 collating that, labeling. That's hours of work right there. Yeah, it was pretty funny because I was talking to Josh this week and he's like, yeah, I'm at the point right now where I never want to do another one of these again. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I got people calling me up going, oh, this is off by $5. Yeah, well, tough. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know what? It is the worst part of any treasurer's job is the end of your tax receipts. So honestly, you know, make sure. It's the secret to recruiting a treasurer. If you're trying to recruit a treasurer and you have simplifychurch.com, it makes your job way easier. You have more chance of success of getting a treasurer if you tell them that the heavy lifting has already been done. So that's simplifychurch.com. Sign up. Tell them that we sent you. I dig it, man. I dig it. So here's the tool that you need. The tool you need for understanding the scripture better I came on to this, and this is really weird because you know me, I'm a, I'm a book nerd. I, I taught Old Testament overviews year one and two, um, over in, in the UK. Um, you know, I've, I've been to seminary, you know, gotten my degrees, uh, you know, can teach it. And I'm a nerd. I love the books, man. I love books by Hamilton. I love, you know, there's just some dynamic amazing tools that rocked me. I thought I knew the word till I grabbed hold of them. But have you ever done a lot of work to learn something? And then you come across a tool where you're like, that would have saved me probably hundreds of hours just by coming to, this is the tool. They basically uh, took all of the studying, all of the reading, all of the overviews of Bible books. I mean, stuff that I taught university level and they put it into a cartoon Oh, nice. Six, seven minutes. And listen, they're so good. This is not advertised, by the way, guys. This is just literally, I could not tell you how to know the scripture better um, for this generation without mentioning it. It's called the Bible Project. They're not a sponsor. We're not getting money. They don't even know I'm talking about them. But it's called the Bible Project. It's on YouTube. You can go on there and it's the Bible Project. Just type that in. And you'll see these overviews. The animated journey through the first five books of the Bible is phenomenal. You have Genesis 1 through 11, Genesis 12 through 50. um, And they're broken up in the way that you would as someone who really understands these books and teaches them. It's how you would break it up according to biblical theology. It is a seminary education in cartoon form. And they're so well done. And they're not like cheesy cartoons. They're like the hip kind of modern stuff. Then they also have key biblical themes. So you can learn themes of the Bible like heaven and earth, the covenants, atonement. And they're just so well done. I literally remember watching them being thrilled and kind of jealous. A little bit jealous because I thought, man, I worked hard to learn this stuff. 
And I worked hard to teach it. It's almost kind of like, you know, John Henry laying the railroad and then the steam locomotive comes along. This is the steam locomotive. It's going to get you to know the scripture. If you guys sit and watch these and really pay attention and learn them, they will give you the equivalent of a biblical theology course. And you will have an overview and a grasp of the Bible like you never had before. Interesting. Bible project. And that's about all we have time for today. I dig it, man. I dig it. Well, I appreciate you doing this episode, even though you didn't want to do it. I did not want to do it. And I was reluctant to uh, get started because I am, uh, I'm pretty empty. I'm an empty bucket right now, but I'm spending my time with the Lord every morning and he's filling me, he's giving me the ability to do what I got to do, man. But yeah, this is one of those weeks where I've just been rough. I'll probably be sick next week. (laughs) Your turn. All right. Well, guys, hey, thanks for joining us today for uh, the Church Planner Podcast. Reminding you, if you want to reach someone no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.